Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. And Brandel, welcome back to reality after a wonderful weekend up in the beautiful Straits of Mackinac. Yeah, reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reality is much more uh, restful than the, the hard living of diving and eating out every night and talking, diving. It's a lot of energy. A lot of fun, a lot of energy. You know, the hard part is, you know, you and I go up there. Or most people go up there for a relaxing weekend. We're going to get a couple of dives in along the way. You we're and working. I, we're we're at work. <laughs> we are on. We got to get are, our wives to listen to this because, you know, when my wife says have fun as I leave, I, I never say to her have fun on her way to work. I never say that because it's a little insulting. You know, right? It's it's it's. I hope you make it through your day without killing anybody, <laughs> <laughs> strangling strangling someone in the parking lot before you even get in the door. No, you're saying, you know, I hope to see you when you get home because then you'll finally be at peace and at rest again. Yeah, they don't they don't understand what it is we do. No, they don't get it. But it was great to run into a, a bunch of fans up there, too, over the course of the weekend. And some old friends, some old dive buddies that we hadn't seen in a while. And along with our crew up there and a great new captain, a great new boat we were on. Yeah, the boat was fantastic. And, of course, Lindsay and Tracy were great. Yeah, shout out to those guys. The and clicks. Below the grade for getting us out there. Yeah, I, uh, I could get used to uh, that elevator. I got spoiled. Beats man. the hell out of <laughs> beats the hell out of a ladder. Yeah, I tell you, it'll make you weak though. You you just <laughs> like you swim up, stand there, and okay, bring me up. <laughs> and that it's a yes, weird yes. feeling though, isn't it? That gradual from weightless to all of a sudden you, you're rising and you're getting heavier. It's very um, like submarine esque, yeah. very like commercial vessel esque. Well, it's just that weight comes on you. As you're coming up, and it's a little surprising the first time. You're like, "What the hell's I'm? What's holding me down?" Then he, then it hits you. Well, I've got, I've got these twins on. I've got a stage on. I've got a scooter I'm carrying. I've got a camera, whatever. You got, I got a lot of shit on me. That all of a sudden is no longer going to be weightless. It's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna weigh a few pounds. But awesome, awesome uh, diving with a uh, off of a boat with an elevator. I've done it a few times. Uh, but um, this one is superb. Yeah, loving it, loving it. And uh, we had a little, uh, you know, mishap with getting stuff out to you guys, the people, uh, last Friday. My bad. My bad, <laughs> yo. I'll take the blame. He's manning up. And, I, uh, I, was, I was excited. I was excited to get on the road and totally forgot to hit upload. And... Um, so, yeah, my bad. But you know what? Uh, it did get out. I got it out Sunday when we got home. And the funny thing is, Brando, our listenership still went out. It was right on track, <laughs> if not up a little bit last week. So I, I think the people didn't mind. They listened to some old episodes. And uh, they really have enjoyed listening to the Zen and the Sandusky episode revisited. Uh, that, that was a pretty cool one. You know, mm-hmm. that, that was still back. Before episode 100, we were still beeping out the swear words. Mm. You know, like we weren't saying fuck and shit and anything like that back then. We were beeping all those out. Yeah, we took a lot of heat for beeping out swear words. That's why we stopped. And it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work beeping them out. <laughs> You're like, 
Yeah, screw censorship, you know? Right. We are the voice of the people. Free people. Free divers. Not free divers free necessarily. Divers. I mean, they're welcome to the listen. free divers of the world. But free divers. Although we don't discriminate against free divers. No. Or submarine divers or hard hat divers or commercial divers or recreation. We, we, we are a show for all divers, all of the diving mind. Muff divers. Uh, they, they, are, they are fully welcome too, Brando. Yes. But hey, listen, you know, in, uh, in the wake of the events that have been occurring over the last, you know, week or so, and by events, I mean some of the raunchiest, most terrible memes to come about. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, over, over uh, you know, five people dying, um, which, you know, it has just been all the rage about this Ocean Gate, you know, just terrible, terrible event. Um, I've got a really, really amazing story about what I was hoping was going to happen. Yeah. Like I, I was waiting, you know, listen to those stories about that ocean gate sub and, and you hear, hear little glimmers of hope along the way, uh, you know, possible ways that this thing could get back to the surface. And, and I, I I'm just waiting for, for him to find that sub and I'm just all I can think of is this amazing tale and movie that's going to be coming out in you know a year's time so it's so sad to find out that that is not going to be the case you know but I've I have and I've been sitting on this story about a heroic rescue of a submarine uh, one of our navy submarines back in the late 1930s about all these uh, original old Navy divers that went down and actually saved all these dudes. Divers saving dudes. DSD, man. DSDs. Divers saving dudes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went down, uh, and not like three or four guys. I mean, it wasn't, yeah. you, know, you know, four four guys and a, and a pilot. I mean, this is... Over 50 guys on this sub, 56 crew, I think it was. Yeah, 56 crew, and then there's three civilian contractors in this sub. I rescued them all. Yeah, remember, uh, and I was telling you when we discussed this uh, possible story, we talked about this in commercial dive school a little bit, trying to recall everything that, that we learned. Of course, it was, it was 30 years ago, so it was a little while ago. Well, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's. It's got to be a, a classic, you know, tale in commercial. School. It is. It is. It's. Um, it's one of those success stories that you know kind of show the value of having divers trained to do that kind of stuff. You don't learn this in rescue diving class. <laughs> no, no. This is well. One, it's a little bit beyond the. You know. Uh, you know, the rescue class and the search and recovery class. You know, th- this was a 300-foot-long, nearly 30-foot-wide, you know, beamed uh, ship. It's not a cinder block you're looking to, <laughs> you know, put a lift, ba- lift bag on and, re- and recover. Just a cinder block. Go search for the cinder block and bring her home. Had a little motor, little old, uh, tro- not really a trolling motor. Maybe it was a trolling motor, but it was gas-driven, you know. I always think of an electric yeah, trolling yeah. motor. But yeah, that's what... I used to use teaching the old lift bag recovery search in the advanced class. But yeah, yeah, it's uh 
it's quite an operation, a lot of complexities and details to be addressed. Yeah, so they were doing a test dive in May of 1939, and they had a failure, and unfortunately there were a number of the crew members of that 56 that did drown, but you know they ended up saving the lives of uh, 33 people. And then they later salvaged the entire ship and uh, recommissioned it in 1940. And it went on to do uh, do some missions and work for uh, for the next five years. Nine battle stars during World War II. Later, later sold for scrap. I'm surprised they didn't keep it as a memorial or to some effect uh, for diving, for the commercial diving aspects of uh, the U.S. Navy. I mean, that alone, I think, would, it would have... Oh, man, could you imagine having that sitting out in some shipyard still today, you know, with, like, the whole entire... Uh, um the McCann rescue chamber, which was the device for, you know, rescuing these submariners, you know, you know with that there too. And you could like kind of go through the whole entire museum of, of how that whole operation occurred. That would be an awesome. Exactly. Exhibit. I mean, yeah, you could have it all set up. You could see what these guys went through. Uh, I mean, we're kind of, compa- we're talking about the, the Titanic sub that just imploded and, uh, in light of that, we're talking about this, but there's a lot of differences here with that, you know, mainly the depth, <laughs> among other things. This was uh, only at a couple hundred feet, really. But it was it was at the beginning of using uh, mixed gases and whatnot, as far as developed tables and all of that kind of stuff with uh, Heliox. Right, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and the whole Ocean Gate thing, you know, I mean, that it, it's such a crazy story. You know, um, and I tell you what, a a lot of what you have been looking at on the, you know, on social media the last week, it, it, a lot of the stories make it seem like, you know, some dude, you know, built a sub in his garage, you know, Mm -hmm. because he had an extra couple million, million sitting around and a week later he's, you know, taking, (laughs) (laughs) taking unsuspecting dopes, you know, to down to the Titanic. Like it it sounds like, but the satire of it would be that, but I mean, there are elements of that to it. It appears at least, but yeah, the reality is quite different. Right, right. I mean, you, you here you're talking like a, a Princeton University aerospace aeronautical engineering, you know, guy, uh, you know, th- that founded OceanGate back in 2009. You know, so it's, I mean, as crazy as the story is, and there's no way in hell, especially when you look at that sub, that I would cram no. in there with four four other people looking, looking at it and saying, yeah, let's go to the goddamn titanic sure to the bottom of the pool maybe uh on a hundred foot taking a hundred feet down maybe i've got some friends that were down in uh roatan i got some friends that were down in roatan there's a guy down there that's got a a homemade sub they go down to like two thousand let me ask you this i mean one of the things that really kind of gave i don't want to say gave me the willies but it's like they they get into this little tin can kind of thing right it's a small i don't even know what the diameter and interior is i know it's it's not big you know five feet diameter by 10 feet long or eight feet long 
five of them, right? And my, and my daughter's like, yeah, they're all on their bare feet. So some, for some reason, this really five guys in their bare feet. <laughs> She's like, no fucking way. But <laughs> right, right. But what I I noticed, I mean, five five ladies <laughs> who who just left the salon yes. with pedicures, <laughs> bare feet, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. five dudes, five dudes. <laughs> Five barefoot yeah. dudes crammed in that tiny little submarine. They put the door back on this this sub and they bolted in with you know, like seventeen bolts. I don't remember the exact number, but you're bolted in. So even if the fail safe is supposed to be, if things fail, it goes positive and and just pops to the surface. And hopefully, you know, some kind of locator beacon is deployed, and they find you and they get you out. But just imagine, bolt, you know, being bolted in. You pop to the surface. You still can't get out. You could be up there on the surface for days as the search parties look for you, and you're you're bolted into this little tin can with five guys in heavy seas. Think about it. Think about five guys puking in that little place. Uh, oh, good God! No right, bathroom, right. really. You know, it's a. <laughs> a I mean, oh my! It's see, like there being was, trapped there was in a, a porta potty. There was an old coffee. <laughs> there was an old coffee can. You know, if you had You're to in go a porta potty, though, it's uh, you know, it's like taking a porta potty and swinging it around on a crane, like they did on Jackass. Right, right. I just couldn't. the 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 scenarios that went through my head is good scenarios, like oh, it popped up and it's just floating around and it's powerless for some reason, you know. And they just haven't found it yet. That was one of the scenarios that I thought, okay, well, that would be fortunate, but it would be like hell in there. It would be like hell, and I can't imagine there's like a cooling system in there or even a heating system. I don't know. Yeah. Right. I mean the 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 five guys. The 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 bare feet with the toes is one thing. <laughs> I bet you, and I bet you the worst. I bet you none of them are even manscaped. <laughs> and you're probably right. That should have been part of the deal. You know, you're paying what two hundred and fifty grand. You get a free manscaping uh, kit. You should you have. Uh, they all the, should have gotten a performance, performance package exactly, four point before. Yeah, they got a on week that ahead of time. Here's your here's your uh, welcome package. You're gonna get a T-shirt. You know, a little captain's hat. You're part of the crew. They give you a technician title and whatnot. And uh, here's your manscaped materials, right? Right, because you want to, because you know, you can get the uh, the clippers. Yeah, because if they're all going to be going barefoot right now, they would have wanted to each <laughs> have those Shears 2.0 luxury nail kit. Don't forget. Oh, at the very least. At the very least. Hey, everybody, summer is here and in full swing, and I want to take a second to talk about self-care, like like everybody should have, regardless if you're in a submarine or not. When it comes to making an impression, proper grooming is essential to looking and feeling your best. When you walk into a room or onto a dive boat or into a submarine chamber, that's why the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped, are committed to helping men around the world walk and talk with some swagger this summer with the best grooming tools on the market. God damn it. <laughs> what more can I say? If you're going to be barefoot with four other guys, you got to join the other 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and enjoy this offer, 20% off and free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com. Don't neglect your beautiful self. Get right this summer with Manscaped. What if we learn, like, it was too long of a toenail that caused the implosion of the sub, and Manscaped could have saved 
these people if only they had taken advantage of the TGDP discount code and ordered themselves uh, a few little items from Manscaped. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do, people. All you the, do. Uh... <laughs> and you won't implode on a submarine 13,000 feet down under the North Atlantic. <laughs> This is why it's essential for you to have the new Platinum Package 4.0 luxury full-body grooming kit. You basically get all the, all the good stuff in that one, but they've got a bunch of different uh, sets that you can get over there at Manscaped to help you feel your best. Damn Skippy. Once again, Manscaped supports the Great Dive Podcast, people, so much that they provided an exclusive offer for our listeners, 20% off free shipping with the code TGDP at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use that code TGDP. Feel like yourself again and take charge of your life with Manscaped. Damn Skippy. I think that's going to be my new catchphrase. (laughs) Damn Skippy. Brando, I've got the story of Deep Rescue by written by your old favorite skin diver author, the good old E.R. Cross. He is one of my favorites. He's a commercial diver and uh he has a lot of great stories. He's uh he's a guy we're gonna have to do a, a deep dive into one of these days. He'd be a he'd be a good one. He's got a pretty rich history, one of those old classic pioneers of of the scuba of the diving world he'd be an excellent an excellent subject for a show that would be at least one show probably more because uh what little i know of him i know is pretty interesting i I think there's a really uh deep forget the pun uh (laughs) in depth forget the second pun uh dive uh into his life uh, with interview that uh, I think Brett Gilliam did back for that big old Diving Pioneers book. I have, to, I have to dig that one out again. Do it. In a short period of history, thousands of submarines have been built almost exclusively as combat vessels. Many have been lost in action. A few have suffered peacetime disasters in which all hands were lost. Even fewer have been sunk, but with some of the crew escaping or being rescued. One such disaster was the sinking of the USS Squalus off Portsmouth, New Hampshire on May 23rd, 1939. When you learn, like, what caused the sinking, it just makes you think how little, how little actions, like, you know, the whole chaos theory, like uh, a butterfly flapping its wings on the other side of the world could cause a hurricane on the other side of the world kind of thing right uh, yeah no kidding right so when you learn about the failures like this and our our sub that went down the other day <clears throat> just makes you think if not everybody's doing their job or somebody had a bad day you know they had a bad day they they taken one down the whole song goes on uh <laughs> <laughs> anyway it can it can mean you die uh because somebody you don't even know stub their toe after they got up walking around the bed to the bathroom in the morning or something. Right, yeah, just all all yeah, the 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 avalanche of of human effect uh-huh. uh, of all little thing little thing little thing the next thing you know, it's an irrecoverable situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a sub goes down because a valve 
failed and the valve failed because it wasn't put together correctly because somebody wasn't paying attention or got distracted or, you know, that kind of thing. It just makes you think a little. No, well, I think uh, it's so easy to make fun of the Ocean Gate because it's a couple of billionaires and everybody gets an, an attitude. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it, it's five lives. Five you humans, know, yes. Five humans that just, you know, had an opportunity to do something amazing that, you know, they thought was going to be just the time the time of their life to, to be able to share <laughs> nobody involved and you can poke a bunch of fun at the 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 ceos and the guy the, the captain and you know but but nobody was like hey let's uh let's implode a submarine this afternoon and kill everybody including myself right that that that's not how it occurred no not at all i mean on the other side of it is there are people that brought up a lot of concerns well ahead of the operation of the submarine so there's that to think about and i think uh there will be a lot of things from this story right the story here that are gonna remind us of the ocean gate thing like i never really you know i i don't want to go too much into the ocean gate thing it's a terrible tragedy and i mean i i don't i think we're gonna be learning about what happened for some time to come still you know well today this is the story of the Squalus and how the heroic efforts of a few men saved some of their shipmates and the divers who rescued those men from a depth of 242 feet of bitterly cold water. And those Navy divers, Brando, um, received the Medal of Honor for saving the Squalus. Absolutely. I mean, back in that day, a dive to 243 feet was especially a dive to rescue <laughs> submariners. Looking at it from the outside, many folks were just like, oh, they're all dead. There's no way. It's way too deep, you know? Yeah, you you weren't just going to fill up a set of twin 130s with some Trimex at the dive shop and plug in, plug in your mix and your gradient factor into your Perdix <laughs> and, and going down. Like, exactly. <laughs> this was a, a dive to... You know, epic proportions that required the, you know, the the finest of the U.S. Navy personnel. Yes, and they rightly so received the Medal of Honor, which um, for our, our listeners, maybe overseas, I think everybody in the states knows the Medal of Honor is basically the highest award you can receive uh, as far as a medal. And when you receive it, everyone salutes you from now on in the service, including the president, the commander in chief. Saluting is a rank-based thing, so the higher rank gets the, receives the salute and returns it. As a Medal of Honor rec- recipient, you now receive salutes from the entire military, and it's a very small club of oh, eight. I could imagine yeah, so. Yeah, incredible stories, um, incredible humans. It's a hard, hard-earned medal, and it's a hard-earned recognition, and a good portion of them earn it post humusly after they're dead right the squalus was the navy's newest s-type submarine 310 feet long designed for fleet service she displaced 1450 tons and had been constructed at the portsmouth navy yard she was launched there on september 14th 1938 and commissioned in march of 1939 full-scale sea trials were started on may 15th One test the boat had to pass for acceptance was to go from cruising on the surface 
under simulated wartime conditions at full speed, about 16 knots, to a depth of 50 feet in 60 seconds. A few days earlier, she had missed passing this crash dive test by five seconds. That's a lot of tons to displace. No kidding. That's a lot of, a lot of water. 45,312 cubic feet, to be exact. I mean, it's a good size. That's a, that's a heavy weight belt. <laughs> <laughs> Early on the bright, sunny Tuesday morning of May 23rd, Lieutenant Oliver Nacken, Nacken, Lieutenant Oliver Nackwin, captain of the Squalus, got his vessel underway and proceeded out into the choppy North Atlantic, a stretch of deep water off the Isle of Shoals, to try to put the Squalus through its test successfully. When operating on the surface, the Squalus was powered by four diesel engines that drew air from the operation from a 31-inch diameter main induction valve and piping system the opening of which was high up under the bridge deck, just aft of the conning tower. A second air induction system, this one 18 inches in diameter, provided air for the crew compartments through the boat when it was on the surface. Valves that closed these air induction systems were operated by a man in the control room. Small heavy doors, each only two and one-half by three feet in all watertight bulkheads, were open but guarded by a man whose sole duty was to close the door quickly if an emergency developed. At operation stations throughout the boat, telephone talkers were in direct communication with the captain's talker in the control room. At 8.13, Lieutenant Naquin sent a radio message to the Navy Yard telling them he would start his test dive. The Squalus carried 56 experienced Navy personnel and three civilian technicians from the Navy Yard, a total crew of 59. Submariners, man, they're an interesting lot. Uh, I, I think you've got to be a special character to want to sit in a submarine for any amount of hours. <laughs> Let alone days, if not weeks. Yeah. We had a, I knew a couple of submariners that were in commercial school with me. And they were, uh, of course, nice guys and all, but a little, little uh, off in a, in a good way, you know. <laughs> yeah, but you develop a certain sense of humor being squashed in a tin can for weeks and weeks at a time with a bunch of men, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So it changes you. It changes you. <laughs> you develop a certain sense of character stuck in a tube with a bunch of semen. Is that what That's you're saying? That's it. Well, yeah, there you go. You put it perfectly. And um, I don't know if have you been to that sub that's up in um, on the west side of the state? Oh, the one up in, uh, is that Muskegon? Muskegon, yes, very good. Yeah, have you ever taken the tour or anything? Because I stayed oh. on it overnight with the Boy Scouts, with my boys, uh, when they were young. I've, I've heard stories. Oh, and, uh, I did not it sleep It went right all. into the... I didn't sleep. Right into the not interested <laughs> the file. I put that in the not interested file. It's small. It's very small. So the bunks, so the kids sleep in the bunk, which are hammocks, right? And there's like, I believe they were six high. And basically, it's inches. The guy above you is literally like three inches in front of your face. 
and that's in the hammock. That's that's a little <laughs> close to have a bunch of semen. It's really close. So I got in there, and of course there are a bunch of boys in the in there, and they're yapping into the middle of the night, and you're like, get to sleep. You had to have guards at the doors and everything. They didn't lock you in, but they didn't want anyone walking off and falling into the water. All the dads, we had to pull guard duty. And you had to be able to man that door in case of an emergency to close quickly, to seal the hatches. Well, we weren't, you know, at sea, but yeah, I think all of the dads, we were just out in the, the little galley they had drinking coffee, and everything is just so tiny. The doors are tiny, you know. A couple of dads, 6'3", and whatnot, big dudes, I felt for them a little bit because they were struggling, struggling, you know, hunched over for 12 hours like that. Yeah, it's not a tall man's... It's not a tall man's game. <laughs> it's not a tall man's game. <laughs> no. Anyway, interesting. Gave me gave me a little perspective, and I, I just thought to be undersea, trapped in this thing, especially during wartime, must have oh, been yeah. a, a tense. No kidding, no kidding. Trying to run down... Yeah. Run around. Yeah, yeah. I can I can only imagine. Now, what we're about to go through is a timeline, Brando, that, that covers about five minutes of, of of real time. Can I get a cup of coffee first? Yeah, let's let's top up. What are you drinking? What are you sipping on there, Jamesy? Some cracking? You sipping on some cracking like I am? Fine Abyss Coffee. No, this is the Great Lakes Great Responsibility Blend. Nice. Notes of roasted almonds and nuts. Don't shirk your responsibility. No. Hey, shout out to the Abyss Coffee Co., everybody. Get over there to theabysscoffeeco.com and get yourself some Great Dive Podcast special coffees. Uh, Don't forget to use that code TGDP10. And get some Great Lakes Great Responsibility. Uh, some donations go to help uh, that fantastic effort to help clean up our Great Lakes. Yeah, we should do a shout-out to the uh, that fine young lady running the show, Meg Meg Schwartz. Doing great work. Didn't she just receive a, a big prize from Chevrolet? Yeah, yeah, $100,000 and uh, uh, a Chevy Trax. Actually, she's getting ready to go on a tour with the Chevy tracks hitting all five Great Lakes uh, in a, a big old little cleanup effort. Hitting the road. Got to like that. Hope she's got the Great Dive podcast on her um, schedule. Yeah, we'll have to have her on one day. Well, I thought we'd go help her clean that too. Oh, we yeah, we, we will. We will. Brando at 839, all hands had reported at their dive stations ready for diving. Lieutenant Doyle. The executive officer was in the control room with the team of 10 men it took to operate the many valves and fittings required to keep the Squalus cruising under wartime conditions. He reported to Lieutenant Naquin, who was still on the bridge, that the boat was ready for diving. The captain informed the Navy Yard, advising that he was on station and preparing to submerge for one hour. In the control room, the Christmas tree, an array of lights showing the condition of the dozens of valves, fittings, and openings throughout the boat, red lights for open, green lights for closed, showed all green except eight red lights, four for the exhausts for the engines, 
one for the flapper valve throughout which the radio antenna rose, and one for the conning tower hatch, leading to the bridge where Lieutenant Naquin and two men remained. The final two red lights were for the two high induction valves that would remain open until the Squalus began her glide toward the surface. Still on the bridge, Lieutenant Naquin gave the order, Stand by to dive! (laughs) That's a great impersonation of Lieutenant Macklin. The loud blare of the klaxons gave the crew the first warning of the dive. Then, following the two crewmen... Naquin slipped through the hatch leading below to the conning tower and, with the help of one man, closed and dogged it. Dog the hatches, bitch. Dog the hatches, matey. Aye, aye, captain. You're always dogging me hatches, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Don't dog the torpedoes. Dog the hatches, you mate. Dog the hatches. In the uh, chambers, in the decompression chambers in commercial school, you got to dog the hatches all the time. You're always dogging the hatches. A lot of hatch dogging. <laughs> I've, uh, I've I've done some hot dogging in my day. <laughs> but never any hatch dogging? <laughs> no, never hatch dogging. Once you hatch dog, you never go back. One red light on the control panel went out, and one green light came on. In the radio room, the radio men completed sending the dive information message and retracted the radio antenna. A green light replaced another red light. The skipper dropped down the ladder into the control room. Time, 0840 and 0 seconds. Gotta love the military precision of all of this, you know? It's teamwork. Right. Yeah, you don't just like get in, press a button, and go down. It's not an elevator. There's a a lot of operations that have to be accomplished. I mean, in many ways, diving is a lot like, you know, diving a sub is a lot like diving as a team. Right. You know, in in so many ways, you know, when I look through this, you know, a submarine from 1930s, it's so raw and primitive in many ways. But at the same time, it's so state-of-the-art advanced, too, you know, especially looking back. It's it's. It's, it's, yeah. it, it's so interesting to look back at the history of, of stuff like this. Lieutenant Naquin gave the order. Take her down! And started his stopwatch. The second blare of the klaxons warned the crew the boat was on her way down. Zero, eight, forty, and five seconds. In the control room, the diving officer already had bow planes placed at hard dive, so the bow would be dragged down. He now ordered flood number one and two main ballast tanks. The flooded tanks would provide neutral buoyancy so the bow planes could do their job. 0840 and 10 seconds. Things are progressing swimmingly. <laughs> In the control room, the diving officer ordered flood valves open on number three and four main ballast tanks, leaving vents closed. When the Christmas tree indicated the boat was tight, he would open the vents. Cruising power was now shifted to electric motors, and the four diesels were shut down and their exhausts closed. 
Four more lights went from red to green. Only two lights remained red. The two high air induction valves were still open. Alfred Prine, operating the control board, now pulled the two levers that caused the air induction valves to close. The last two red lights winked out and green lights flashed on. The board indicated the boat was tight. 0840 and 25 seconds. So not even a minute has gone by and a lot has gone on. And valves are being opened and door hatches are being dogged and it's a lot of activity. And there's, and there's, there's semen everywhere. There's semen. You and the semen are and the klaxons are going off. It's crazy. Klaxons are sounding. It's an orderly chaos. Is what it is. As, as anybody in the service knows, is kind of SOP, orderly chaos. That's it's a, that sounds like a great description of what's happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got. I mean, there's got to be a level of anxiety, but there also has to be a level of, of calm because you know it's go time. This is when, but there's got to be you know those butterflies going. You know, just we're di- we're diving. Everybody's got to do their job, or uh, bad things happen to good people. You know, it's yeah. just like flying when I used to fly medevac and especially C-130. There's a lot of shit going on. A lot of things have to happen, especially in landing and takeoffs, picking up uh, patients and whatnot. And just like diving a, a real dive, a big dive. I mean, if, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't have a little bit of that, you know, butterfly in you of, of something's really, you know, you're really getting ready to do something that you is reminding you that you have to not let that turn to anxiety and let that keep your brain calm and get ready to do the job you got to do. And that, that's a, should be a normal it is mindset of getting ready, you know, like, uh, yeah, this is real. And it's technical go time. diving, technical yeah, diving yeah. for sure. And schmucknickel diving, maybe not so much. But even for like uh, the 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 new guys, you know, you're doing your first hundred foot dive. It's not just yeah, a hundred foot dive. I mean, that's a a real dive. It is a real dive. A thirty foot dive is a, a real thirty dive. foot dive. Yeah. So I mean, uh, I mean, the you know we get to this a lot in the show of of thinking that you know the shallow easing up that's shallow and, and a lot of the instructors are like oh diving's happy it's pretty it's fishies. No, have it, having this controlled anxiety and this controlled serious of mindset is important for all levels of diving. It's discipline is what it is, and that's, ah, that's what you're talking yes. about here uh, as a team on a submarine where several operations have to be accomplished by several people in order for everyone on board to live and come back. Control room. Lieutenant Doyle ordered vents opened on number three and four main ballast tanks. Depth gauge is read 28 feet, and five seconds later, 30 feet. 0840 and 40 seconds. Control room. Depth showed 40 feet. 0840 and 50 seconds. Main induction valves. The water was over the top of the two valves. The 18-inch valve was closed. But the 31-inch main valve had not closed. It was wide open, and water was rushing into the valve and through the piping toward the engine room and aft compartments. Ouch. Zero. Ouch. Yeah. 
0841 and 0 seconds. In the control room, depth gauges read 50 feet. Lieutenant Naquin and the civilian technician stopped their watches, and the skipper was congratulated. He made his 60-second dive. In the engine room, the telephone talker screamed into the telephone, Water flooding engine room! 0841 and five seconds. So they're basically two minutes into the dive, and uh, we have a problem, Houston. <laughs> yeah, in the control room, they're like, ah, we we made it this time. We're not five seconds late. Yeah. You know, we, we, we did the 60-second dive. We hit our depth. Wonderful. But in the engine room, the shit is hitting the fan. Control room. Further word came from the engine room. Induction open. Take her up. Lieutenant Naquin ordered, blow all ballast. Then he added, blow all buoyancy. Blow Zero. all semen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Ah. Uh. It's the best part about being a guy. It's, it's, your, your whole life, you, you never have to grow up past fifteen. You know. Well, that you know, it's it's a double edged sword, and a lot of young ladies or wh- whatever, uh, they'll complain. They'll complain. They never grow up. Uh, by the same token, they dump their men who act too mature because he's boring, and it's That's a double edged right. sword. I mean, come on. They hate our jokes, but they love our jokes. Yes. Uh, the the men who realize I just got to be myself. It doesn't matter if you love it. Great. If you don't love it, you know, it's just the way it is. In the control room, the stern of the Squalus was now settling rapidly. Lieutenant Naquin ordered full power on the electric motors. The boat steadied for a moment, then continued to settle by the stern. Alfred Prine, at the controls, was still trying to pull the lever, controlling the main induction valve farther back. It was as far as it would go. All lights were still green. The forward torpedo room, Lieutenant Nichols and his crew closed watertight doors, leading from their compartment. They were sealed in. In the aft engine room, Lloyd Mann's guard at the bulkhead door between the engine room and the control room suddenly saw a head of water racing toward his station. He started to close the door. 0841 and 30 seconds. In the control room, 10 men and two officers frantically operated all valves and fittings, trying desperately to bring the stricken squalus back to the surface. The stern of the vessel was now down nearly 30 degrees and still sinking. The electric drive motors slowed to a stop, shorted out by the rising salt water. The lights on the Christmas tree, still all green, flickered and went out. The squalus was going to go all the way to the bottom. Can you imagine what's going through your mind? Oh, shit. Yeah. We're supposed to hit 50 feet. Yeah. We're going to have a problem. And we're not stopping. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is the thing like, you know, you're talking, you know, earlier about, you know, getting into that, that Ocean Gate sub and watching them just bolt you in, seal, seal <laughs> your ass, bolt your ass in like that's like knowing that like, you're not getting out. 
from the inside. Like, yeah, I don't understand the bolting in. Instead of just dogging the hatch, the pressure would keep the, the hatch shut. You just close it, and that's the whole thing with the dogging is, is you just twist the dogging screws, and you're in. And the pressure would just keep that door sealed more and more. Well, I think the, the the bolting everybody in is to increase the level of anxiety <laughs> and, and frighten the entire living shit out of your body. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of a reason for it, but I'm not an engineer. I don't claim to be, so maybe there's there's something more to it that I'm missing. In the engine room, the telephone talker screamed, Take her up! Take her up! Water flooding! The telephone system went dead. He sounded a little bit like um, Steve Zissou when Esteban got eaten. Esteban! <laughs> Very large shark! The forward battery compartment, Chief Gaynor secured his watertight door, sealing himself in the electric control room above the battery compartment. His instruments showed a dead short in the system. At the risk of his life, he opened the hatch and climbed quickly down into the battery compartment. Great blue flames of electricity were flashing across batteries and fittings. It was so hot, the rubber cases of the batteries were melting. If that happened, they could explode with enough force to blow the sub to bits. In the midst of the heat and flashes of electricity, he managed to pull the two main switches. Lights, already dim and flickering, went out in the forward compartments of the Squalus. So now it's dark, and you know you're heading down. Oh, <laughs> man, yeah. And total chaos. Chaos, yeah. This electrical... The lightning flat the smell in the air lightning flashes yeah. and oh man could you imagine being in that tin can and all that water pouring mm-hmm. in electrical ah. burning rubber smell i mean all all of it the whole scene must have been hell back in the engine room Brando. Lloyd Manns, in the act of closing the watertight door saw four men struggling through rising water oh. trying to reach safety that's... He w- oh, here we go. This uh, is a bad he one. waited. First, radio man Arthur Booth made it through. Zero eight forty one and forty seconds. Blanchard made it through the door into the control room. Isaacs was still fighting forward. Mans reached out and pulled him sprawling into the control room, half swimming through the rising water. Pharmacist's mate, Raymond O'Hara, still 10 feet away from the door, screamed, leave it open, leave it open. Slipping and falling through the rising water, he was just able to grasp the hatch, combing and pull himself through the control room. Now, with water lapping over the raised hatch combing, Mans had to literally lift the 200-pound steel door closed since the Squalus was now bow up at about a 40-degree oh, angle. Oh, man. Oh, oh. That ain't... Jesus Christ. You better had your Wheaties that morning, brother. 0841 in 50 seconds. I mean, this is all taking place in two minutes, uh, three minutes, 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 almost three minutes, right? From from high five, and we just successfully completed this dive to less than two minutes later. Yeah, it it is. 
dire. That's dire why you, you do not light that cigar till you're on the surface and you're, you're walking home. You know, you got that cocktail in your hand and you're you're golden. There's no high fiving till then. Back in the control room, a flashlight was held up to the glass port in the door. Man's had just closed. Oily water crept up and across it. The sub was passing 90 feet, still bow up at about 45 degrees. 0843 and 0 seconds. In the control room, all lights were out. Emergency lanterns and flashlights provided a dim glow in the control room. Squalus was passing 185 feet, then 200, and then 220, 0845, and 0 seconds. In the control room, the Squalus gently touched the muddy bottom, stern first, and a few seconds later, the bow settled into the mud at a depth of 242 feet. Lieutenant Naquin tried to reach each after compartment by emergency sound-powered telephone. There was no reply. He next tapped on the closed forward battery room door. There was an answering tap, and the door was slowly opened. How is the forward torpedo room? The skipper asked. Someone answered, all dry and doors secured, sir. That was that. The control room and the two forward compartments were dry. There were 28 crewmen, three officers, and one civilian technician alive in the forward compartments. Apparently, all compartments aft were flooded. There were 23 crewmen, one officer, and two civilian technicians in those compartments. So, yeah, there's your 26 men. Yeah. Very much so. So Damn, now rough. You, now you sit and rough wait. Rough moment there, huh? What do you do? What's going through your mind, really? I mean, I'm sure in training you, you learn of uh, the rescue, the submarine rescue process, and especially uh, when you're when you're in in training to become a submariner, you have to go through uh, the escape process and whatnot. But yeah, but here we are. Here we are. It's like uh, anything in scuba, right? I mean, yeah. it's you go through the rescue procedures in the book because you know you got to get that one on right yeah. on the test. Yeah, you got to yeah. get that question right <laughs> in the test if you're going to pass. But nobody ever really thinks that they're going to be there. I really got to be there. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and then you are, With, and let alone you know be there, knowing that you've got 26 lost lives, you know, as well. Absolutely, and and even as you know, rescue diving. I mean, how many times have have I know you and I have been involved in bringing divers back? So you are going to, if you dive enough, you're going to be involved in the rescue. You so don't go into that rescue class thinking I'm just getting this card, and uh, you know that that info and those. Those skills or that skill set I need to have under my belt is well. You learn one more toe. <laughs> you get yes. you learn one more toe than you did in open water classes. Yeah, ultimately, I mean, it comes down to you know first aid and, and getting somebody back to you know your ABCs and then get them getting them back to the surface and to to dry land or, or to a boat to get get help. But 
all that stuff's being thrown at you. And I know it's just like you said. You think, I'll never use this. It's I'm getting a card so I can go on to become a dive master or wear uh, the patch on my jacket. Lieutenant Naquin now began emergency procedures from within the sunken squalus that might make rescue possible. First, he ordered the release of the forward telephone rescue buoy. First, sit down. Spread your knees. Put your head between your knees and kiss your ass goodbye. (laughs) First, I was like, I know there's a bottle of scotch somewhere on this boat. (laughs) I need a drink bad. Your trembling hands search (laughs) frantically through your (laughs) foot locker. The release lever was pulled and the buoy floated to the surface on the end of 325 feet of steel wire. Next, a red smoke bomb was released. This floated to the surface, bobbed clear of the water, then splashed back, leaving a thick red smudge of smoke spreading over the water. Now, all they could do was wait. You know, I'm reading... uh some facts about the sub. You know, the, the test depth on her was only 250 feet. <laughs> oh. So you're like... We got eight to go. We got eight to go. We're Your fine. fingers crossed. We're I hope we fine. haven't drifted. I hope we haven't drifted to 255. Inside the sub were cylinders of oxygen for breathing and soda lime to absorb exhaled carbon dioxide. For the present... Lieutenant Naquin ruled out using the individual Momsen escape lungs because of the extreme depth and the cold. Inside the sub, the crew could survive for up to five days, but it was going to be a very cold wait. The water temperature outside was 30 degrees Fahrenheit. The submarine had no power, no heat, and only one small emergency locker of food. A 10-gallon can of emergency water was stowed in each compartment. Air was their most precious resource. To conserve this as much as possible, each crew member was assigned a spot in the boat, given blankets for warmth, and told to lie down and to limit talking to essential orders. And that, Brando, is where we're going to leave off for this week. It's pretty good. It's a good spot to leave because I, oh. I, I know we're going to get into the, um, the rescue of it, which we covered a little bit in commercial school. But the big thing we covered was the, the salvage of it, bringing it back up, and the technique that they used, which, is, which was pretty cool because I've actually used this to, to bring shit up from the bottom, boats, whatnot. It's a cool technique that they used and uh, makes a lot of sense when you when you hear about it or see it. Yeah, super cool story, mm. man. And, and like just the just the terrifying excitement of, of what that must have been like going down in that sub that, that like just oh my six, God. six, six total minutes overall, you know, uh, and five minutes of just pure hell. Yeah. And then. There's the weight, right? Which right. you know, I, you know, takes us back to that whole, you know, um, Ocean Gate, you know, timeline of, 
you know, where they, for days, like, we didn't know what really happened. And, yeah. you know, there's only, they've got till Thursday of with air remaining. Yeah, and, the, and while they could pop to the surface, they could emergency release and pop to the surface. Well, then they still got to find them on the surface because they got to. And they could still die their bodies and they could no still air. die yeah. floating on the surface. Yeah. All those things, right? So now they're at the point of the waiting. Just, I, everything's settled, but we're on the bottom of the fucking ocean (laughs) (laughs) no power with no no power power. Mm -hmm. not knowing if anybody's gonna come to get us you know what are we gonna do now so wow what a what an exciting moment to uh to be but you know we already gave away the ending you know uh mentioning that this was a heroic rescue of uh the squalus but still i mean what what these guys had to go through coming up uh for this next episode awesome and super interesting and like dive related because now the, the diving begins yeah now the actual rescue that they've practiced you know you've done all this practice and this is going to be a, i believe the deepest rescue they've ever done it's going to be an operation and a half, right? It's going to be a big deal. Yeah, and that is the title of this story, Deep Rescue. Deep fucking rescue would have been what I would have asked for the name to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, we hope you're enjoying this uh, interesting story. Not uh, the typical, you know, uh, telling you you need better buoyancy control and uh, learn how to do a frog <laughs> kick uh, episode of the Great Time Podcast. <laughs> But still, just as interesting. In fact, I would say even more interesting. I mean, this I, I love these old stories. This one in particular is great. I mean, it's yes, there's a there's some fatalities, but overall, it's a success story that kind of has a happy ending. The majority of the folks made it back home to see their loved ones, and uh, it was a valiant effort on uh, the part of some great people risked their lives to save others. It's all the all the humanity that is missing in a lot of uh, bullshit we're dealing with these days. Well, there you go, people. Hold on to your Momsen escape lungs. This uh, we're not we're not using those yet. And uh, we will talk to you all next week. Damn, Skippy. <laughs> The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando.